Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I want to welcome you to the broadcast. I pray you are well. I pray God is blessing you. Um, We are going to dive into the Word of God as we always do. We study so that we can apply it in our lives and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives. And I want to focus now on something I think is really important to our purpose and that is understanding our authority in God. And so we had some conversations about it earlier in some of some earlier Bible studies um, and that talk about power and authority. Um, but we want to really kind of hone in on what that actually means, what you can actually do. Um, and while this isn't exhaustive, um, it does give you a prelude to being able to go into the Bible yourself and research. And I really hope that that's what you're going to do when you're going to study. But I want us to look at power when it comes to people and also when it comes to God. And we can look at both of these at the same time. And we're going to do that by reading in the book of Esther. And we're going to read in the third chapter. And we're going to read uh, verse 1 until verse 10. So it's going to be Esther chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. And so um, I will go ahead and get started. This is our anchor text. After these things did Asuras promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agatite, and advance him, and set his seat above all the princes that were um, that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spoke daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matter would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew, and when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman said, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai, in the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast per, that is the lot, before Haman from day to day and from month to month for the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And Haman said unto Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of the kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all the people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hand of those that have the charge of the business, to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand, and gave it to him, Haman, the son of Hamatatha, the Agite, the Jew, uh, the Jew's enemy. And so um, that is basically uh, sort of the beginning of troubles for uh, Mordecai and for Esther, but it is also a great picture of authority. The king gave Haman authority. There were two instances where he did that. In the first one, he gave him authority and honor. So he rewarded him, and that is why Haman was upset that Mordecai would not bow down to him. It says that he gave um, Haman this honor. The king gave Haman this honor. And so it was 
you know, sort of transferred by a perceived good deed that Haman had done for the king. So the king decided, I'm going to give you this honor because you've done something for me. So it's important to understand about authority, that authority rewards. And God talks about how he rewards us, and we see this among mankind as well. Authority rewards with authority and with honor and esteem. It's why we have awards and recognitions and award shows and contests and diplomas and other tokens of power. The tokens only matter or applies in that jurisdiction and among that group of people. So maybe, you know, for a, a teacher, you know, it might be great to get a, um, a wonderful, you know, teacher of the year award. But it might not be such a great thing for journalists. The journalists might want a Pulitzer Prize. So it really matters among that group where that authority has jurisdiction. And as we can learn from this text also that power can be conferred. So Haman, you know, I'm just, yeah, Haman went to the king and said, hey, give me this power so I can destroy these Hebrews. And the king conferred power on him. It's important also to notice that Mordecai did not recognize the king or Haman's authority as the ultimate word. So he behaved differently from the other princes and the other people in the province. And the story of Esther proved that actually Mordecai had it right because he believed in a different authority and he belonged to a different kingdom, a different jurisdiction. And that was God's kingdom where God has the final say. And so definitely if you belong to God's kingdom, you're gonna act, you're gonna move differently because you understand that God has the final say and not mankind. So Haman was offended because he was full of pride. He looked and saw that, you know, Mordecai wasn't doing this kind of honor to him. And so he hated Mordecai because of a little thing like bowing to him. That was it. So I want to encourage us as believers, because we're human too. So, you know, yes, this can happen to unbelievers, but hey, this can also happen to us. And so I want to warn you as a believer, to be careful not to let the foot of pride come against you, as David prayed about in Psalms chapter 36, verse 11. Pride is an actual attack from the wicked one to bring you down. David saw pride as an adversary, and that is exactly what it is. And so this adversary was actually coming against Haman, even though he didn't know it. It is for this reason that Haman became Mordecai's enemy to his own detriment. Don't let the wicked one trick you into being enemies with someone who has done you no wrong or who is God's chosen and anointed. It may be that Satan may actually be attempting to bring you down or trap you through it. The enemy sought to destroy Haman not just Mordecai and the Hebrews in that province. You have to remember, you know, Satan, he says he's going to go to destroy whom he may. He didn't say only the Christians or only the believers. He said whomever. So it's important to understand that even the people who are doing these things that, that, that the wicked one is able to use to do these things, these people he's trying to destroy too. 
Some people's pride and self-righteousness is so great, they become more than just your enemies, but they become the enemies of your entire people, your entire family, the way Mordecai became enemies of the Hebrews, setting his own self up for failure. That's the crazy part about it. Mordecai really hadn't done anything to him. The authority which the king gave Haman was not legally enough in that kingdom to force Mordecai to kneel or do anything. So Haman had to go and get more power or more authority to act. And that's what we see when we see Haman going back to the king and saying, hey, there are these people in the kingdom, let's wipe them out. And we can see this is how power and authority works also in the kingdom of God. As we saw with Christ giving power to his disciples, so Christ is giving power to his disciples in the way that the king gave power to Haman. Let's notice these four things, well actually five things um, that happen when power is transferred. Powers are limited to what the authority wishes to give. It's important to understand. So whatever is the ultimate power in that particular jurisdiction, it's limited by what they want to give. Also, authority cannot go above what the king gave. It can only go below, but not above. So the king might give you the right to, you know, do whatever, but it has a limit. And then the third thing is that power is only as effective as the king decrees within his territory. So he might determine that your power can allow you to, uh, when you come in the room, people should bow, but it may not mandate that people bow, as we see with Haman and Mordecai. And then number five, those that are vested with authority can sometimes be unaware that they have it. This is really important because I think this really shows sometimes with us believers, we are just not aware of the authority that we have. The authority is given for a purpose, and misuse of such power often leads to it being revoked or even reduced. So our power in Christ is only what he has given us, and we should not be drunk with it or use that power as a means to hurt or exclude those we don't like or those who don't feed our ego or our pride. God talks about how the son is not different from a servant while he is a child, even though he owns the entire estate in Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read what it says. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. So it's telling us that there is a maturing into power, a maturing into responsibility. He must mature to receive it or get it at a percentage or at a, a specific time. So there's an appointed time for the child to receive the inheritance. And we too must mature to receive some of the power because we do not have the faith, we do not pray or fast or have the mind in terms of renewing our mind to actually use that power. It isn't that we don't have it, it's just that we haven't matured into it. And we can't receive it in the sense of that Greek word used for receiving. Now there's a Greek word that's used in St. John chapter 1 verse 12 
And it talks about that as many as had received, you know, the Lord got power to become the sons of God. That's pretty wild when you think about it. But that word received actually means grab or forcefully take hold of something. So what that means is, is that you're not, until you're ready to forcefully grab and reach for God and the things of God and the word of God, you're probably not ready to receive that word. You're probably not ready to receive that power. The Bible says that we ask, but we receive not because we ask amiss, as it says in James chapter four, verse three. And why do we do that? Let's read James chapter 4 verse 3. It says, Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Haman is an example of asking amiss for power, authority, or access for nefarious or disingenuous purposes. In verse 8 and 9, we see Haman going back to the king to ask for more power and authority. And the king is a mere man, so he doesn't know Haman was asking for it out of pride and ego. But God, who knows our heart, he does know. So we're not going to trick God. We're not going to deceive God. This may be why some prayers go unanswered. Not so God can destroy and deprive you, but because he doesn't want to let you use it for ill purposes that may destroy and deprive others, even if you don't know, understand, or intend for it to deprive or destroy others. God is all-knowing, unlike that king. We must learn that power and authority is what we get from God. He is master of all, so his power overrules everyone, including us. So we can't use God's power to ask for something that goes against God's will, which is an extension of his power. Some prayers don't get answered because your legitimate authority as a believer cannot overrule God's legitimate authority as an omnipotent. You do not have the rank or authority. God is all-powerful. This is why God says, Blessed is he who comes to me as a little child, because children recognize rank, that an older person knows and has access to more. It's why children ask impossible questions. You know, have you ever had a kid ask you questions that you're just like, who knows what that is? Who knows how that even get, works? It's because children believe you have such knowledge that you have a rank above them. It is also why children ask you for food, ask you for bread to eat. They know that they cannot just go and get food out of the cupboard or even they don't know how to make it. But you as an adult, when you are hungry, you don't go to anyone to ask permission to eat. You just do it. But God wants you to live with authority and rank and power in mind the way a child does so that you're reaching out to him before you do certain things. As it says in James chapter 4 verse 15 that we should say, if the Lord wills, we will do such and such a thing. Because acknowledging God is important. We have to acknowledge his authority in our lives. The Bible also puts it this way that there is no wisdom or knowledge against the holy God that he is. And so when we acknowledge God, God's authority, then we're more cognizant and aware of the authority he gives us. 
You see, God is all-powerful and we need to understand His power in order for us to use any power that He's given. As a matter of fact, it says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30, that there is no wisdom and there is no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. That means He is the final authority. And until we begin to truly understand that in our souls, we will not know what it means to get power and authority from God and use it in such a way that it not only blesses us, but others and accomplishes his will. So I pray that you're blessed from this Bible study and you study some of these scriptures that we went over here. And I pray that God gives you a greater revelation into authority so that you can exercise the right kind of authority in your life. God bless you. Bye.